Hey, Vita. Hey, Tapia. So we are back on a Wednesday. Yes, we are back on Wednesday. And that means that it is What a Case Wednesday. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's what a case indeed. And this one's heavy. Yeah, and, and we're going to have to do a lot of condensing. And we, because it's so heavy with this topic, we had to pick specific things to talk about because there's just so many things that we could have possibly talked about and we would have been sitting here for like two hours and ain't nobody got time for all of that so yeah same there was two (laughs) things that i know i really want to talk about and then from there we'll probably spiral today's what a case topic will be covering uh immigration Mm -hmm. and that's why it's not a easy topic yeah. And we did say, you know, we did kind of narrow it down. So we're going to be talking about four areas of immigration. And yeah, and definitely a heavy topic and definitely an ongoing thing that we're still dealing with to this day that people are still dealing with. And coming from a child of immigrated parents, to an extent, I could definitely understand the struggle. Yeah. And I mean, coming from someone who grew up in the border town in South Texas, I I see definitely the struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you're like right there. Uh, yeah. Well, one time I went across to Matamoros because uh, I was going to get dental work done. And that's mm-hmm. not uncommon. I've actually, right. you know, heard of a lot of people coming from other parts to get dental work done, either in Matamoros or Progreso. But anyway, this was around the time where people were talking about caravans and then that uh, stay in Mexico policy was kind of enacted. Mm So at one point when we were crossing in one of the visits, we did see all the tents. And when you're crossing, Mm -hmm. you get to see a little bit of just... Of knowing that there's something, some, sorry, some community down there because you'll see like debris of something left behind in their travel. Yeah, it's extra real. And, you know, my parents immigrated from Nigeria, so there's a whole fucking ocean um, and a few continents that we have to go through. So I don't see, you know, I have to go to another place to actually see that. But you're like, I mean, you're literally right there on the border, so you you have to you you see the struggle, man. I, I don't want to say every day, but I mean, I would say more <laughs> frequent than most people, and I bet that's hard. I mean, to see that. Well, uh, but, yeah, it, it's definitely a part of you know living down here. But anywho, keeping with immigration, I did want to mm-hmm. talk about two really big things. And the first one that I'm bringing up is very relevant to right now, you know, with COVID and people Mm -hmm. being essential workers. So there is Mm -hmm. a program that is allowing people to come to the United States and work legally. And they Mm -hmm. do agricultural work. They're in the fields getting the daily supply for Americans through all weather conditions. And we mean all weather conditions and the various times of the day, whether it be having to go at like four in the morning because they put lights out 
uh, because it was going to be easier on the workers instead of having to be in the hot sun all day. Because, I mean, how many people are willingly going and applying for these jobs and saying, yeah, I will work those conditions? Yeah, it's really, it's so interesting in regards, you know, to the work, because with immigration, there's a whole process that, you know, you have to deal with. And I mean, it's years of process of certain processes that you have to deal with to become a legal citizen. And it's like dumb as fuck. But yeah, it's really strange to me that people are so uppity about certain jobs. Like I knew this one girl who would refuse to be a clean. I used to work for a cleaning company and I would go and clean up people's apartments after they've moved out. And there's this friend that I had at the time and she was struggling and she couldn't get a job. And I was like, yo, I know the owner. It's her, like, you know, I babysit her kids. And this is back when I used to hustle when I did anything for, not anything, but I would like do odd jobs for money (laughs) here and there. I I I was about to say anything and it was going to sound really weird. But, and so I offered her like the job. I was like, you know, it's a guaranteed job. Like anybody that I, you know, would want to bring on, she'll hire because she knows me. And I'm like, it's a guaranteed job. You get, you know, at least $150 after each cleaning. And I'm like, if you clean five times a week, you can get a good amount of money. You know, at the time I was in university. So like, that was a good amount of money. And she literally, her beta, and this is why we're not friends anymore. She literally told me, oh, that's not a job that, that I would do. That's jobs that you would have. And I'm going to say this just because it's a topic but she said that's the jobs that you would have the illegals do not me and in my head I'm like well first of all I'm not illegal and I'm doing the job and second of all this is a white lady this is her company it's like what the fuck are you talking about and it was just so odd to me like after that I started to really ask people like certain questions like are you opposed to certain jobs you know if you're really in the deep end will you not take certain jobs just because you think it's quote unquote beneath you And a lot of people are fucking arrogant as shit and they won't take the jobs. And I'm like, so you're going to sit here and go hungry versus making $500 in a week just cleaning apartments. And it's like you're by yourself. You can blast your music. You can go anytime, make your own schedule. (laughs) And it was just really, really weird to me. Like, that's something that somebody actually, like, that that was their thought process and their mindset is – Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep that to the to the quote unquote illegals and I'm going to let them do that t- that type of job. I can't I'm not going to do that type of job. And it was just really strange to me that people think that way and people still think that way cuz some comments that are made, I mean, online, you can find them anywhere are literally along those lines. And it's just so interesting that that is how people see immigrants as that's the that's the height of their abilities is just that you know what I mean it's very strange and it's really weird it's a weird way of thinking and I don't understand it but yeah I just wanted to like input that since you know you was talking about the the workplace and everything yeah dude it's real backwards my um my friend's dad is an engineer back where he's from and here in the United States he doesn't make anywhere close to that Mm -hmm. and he does not work a job anywhere close to that and it's so sad that they do that like there's so many I mean it's crazy how you can go to school somewhere else and to me schools not in the U.S. are better better um educational wise I feel like you learn a lot more I don't know just I'm comparing me to like my cousins and other people that I know that went to school in different different continents different countries and it's just like they have a better 
I don't know. It's just well, it's more well-rounded in my opinion, um, and it's true education. That's a whole other type of podcast, and we're talking about the U.S. education system. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really strange how they can have a trade that they are, you know, um, experts in. And they come to another country just because there's a language barrier. All of a sudden, they're like demoted in their intelligence. And it's super fucking weird. And yeah, it's awful. It's awful that you could go to all that schooling. And just because you went in a different country, you have to either start all over again. Or you're not taken seriously at all. Nobody believes what you're saying. Nobody thinks that you actually know what you're talking about. And yeah, man, that's sad. Well, wanting to get a little bit back to the H2A program. So... I wanted to bring it up because it is people who are working a job that's considered essential right now. We have to bring people from another country to work a job that is essential. And we're having a really hard time treating them like people in some conditions because sometimes they have to stay on the farm. Especially now with COVID. And in some conditions, they don't really have the best sleeping arrangements. There was one place that was noted for not having any heating or ACs. So some of them have horrible living conditions where it's probably just a shed and it was a bed wrapped in a bag on the floor and that I didn't see if they had any kitchen or anywhere to wash. None of that. So there's there's that one thing, right? They they are not giving the best living areas when they're moved over here to the United States to work these jobs. One. Two, sometimes they don't get paid properly or paid at all. It's happened to where the job gets done. And the money is promised, but and they just keep pushing it. And it, it's just pretty much stalling. And then if there is a, a group of people that want to file a lawsuit against them, well, then they somehow find themselves at the end of, you know, deportation, going back mm. to where they were originally trying to help us. And the travel is also horrible. Because when the program started, because it's not a new program, it's been around, I think it was 86 people would go to Mexico or other countries, you know, even the Philippines and would promise, you know, oh, you're going to get this amount of money. You're going to live like this. You're going to be able to work over there for X amount of time because it's just a contract. And then you can come back home and you're going to come back home and you're going to give your family the life that they, that they did have, they deserve that you wanted to give them. And so that's, I think one of the worst parts going to someone's home, seeing that they're struggling and building up the solution and making them work, not giving them proper um, living arrangements, nourishment, not paying them. And then making them go back to where they were. Right. It's horrible. That's awful. It's literally inhumane. Like that's like so many laws. <laughs> like you know what well, I mean? Like civil rights laws. Like there's so many laws that they should be held accountable to in regards to that. Because that's so. I mean, like you said, they don't see them as people. 
at that yeah. point you're not treating them like a human being well good thing the aclu is there and helping people you know i also stumbled mm-hmm. across an attorney and i i found her on youtube <laughs> But it's because she gives out weekly updates. And it is very hard to keep up, especially like, for example, right now, DACA recipients, you know, mm-hmm. one day their can- the program is canceled. The next the program is back on, but their applications are being taken. And now applications have to be taken, but it's being stalled. So, you know, but yes, McBean immigration law. And I'll I'll put more information in the description for this person. And not just that, you know, there's tons of organizations and and we'll put more of that. But there's people who are fighting and saying you deem what they're doing essential and you don't want to treat them like a a basic human, you know. So, yeah. And speaking of organizations, I actually found one, a nonprofit organization called racistexas.org I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right but it's spelled R-A-I-C-E-S texas.org and what they pretty much do because you were talking about you know the lawyer who was helping people so they provide free and low cost legal services to undeserved immigrant children families and refugees so we'll definitely leave that information the description also so y'all can go check it out donate yeah i mean there's not too much i can get into that's pretty much just what they do as a nonprofit organization is um they just help those those families there who or kids or whoever who need those legal services um in regards to immigration yes um raices texas we'll definitely put more of that in there so mm-hmm. That was one thing that I wanted to talk about, and I really wanted to get that off my chest because we're in the middle of a pandemic, and it's been hard. Yeah. But now talking about conditions in where someone is in the deportation process, and they have to stay at the detainment camps. Mm-hmm. So there was a whistleblower recently that in, in Georgia that made it known that sterilizations were happening. And Mm -hmm. sometimes these women did not have any form of consent and it's terrible. And it's, it's, it's pretty much like genocide because you're trying to stop these people from having any form of family to pass on. Right. Right. Yeah. It's so sad. And I mean, sterilization has been a huge issue amongst immigrants for fucking years like years and years like i don't even think people are still aware that it's happening like there are so many people and i mean it's like we're saying immigrants coming from anywhere and everywhere you know think about it like that's a lot of fucking people coming from a lot of different places a lot of different backgrounds and like you said it's halting people or taking away the choice of actually having a family and and having kids and and living that life and it's awful. It's awful that that's even a thing, that that's even, you know, an option that's going on, that's that's happening, that's being taken from, you know, an option that's not even, I don't even want to say it's an option because they have no choice. Like, they have no choice. Yeah, pretty much. Because, I mean, once any form of anesthesia happens, like, there goes the consent, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... Even worse, 
the exact opposite. So, right, they were having sterilizations, but there was also that case with Jane Doe, and uh, this young lady from Central America found herself pregnant in one of these camps and tried to get an abortion. And they didn't want to let her. They actually stopped letting her get the services for for that and, and started to encourage people to go and talk to her about keeping the child. I don't know if you remember, but the case ended up going and she petitioned it. She She had the lawsuit and she won. Also with that, they didn't give the lady a choice. They didn't want to give right. her a choice. Right. And the fact that she had to take legal stands to actually have that choice. And and I mean, you know, not to get into it, but like I'm pro-choice and pro-life. I feel like any everybody should be able to make their own decision and the government should never have a say in that, when, especially when it comes to an individual life. I don't think anybody should tell anybody how to live their life and um, what they should do with their life or their body. So that that in and of itself is such a huge issue. And the fact that, man, the fact that she had to go through all of that just to just to have the abortion, like, it's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. crazy. It's fucking crazy. It's fucking insane. So you had mentioned you were talking about deportation and, you know, what they have to deal with to do that. I'm going to talk about the exact opposite, which is the process of actually gaining naturalization status and becoming a U.S. citizen. And, I mean, I knew that it's a process and it's a grueling process and it's an annoying process. But, man, I didn't realize, and I knew it was an expensive one, um, and I'll definitely mention that later, but I didn't realize how dumb as fuck (laughs) this process is. Like, it's stupid as hell, and there's so many stipulations And it's just so weird. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to fill out a 20-page form. Usually they want you coming in, starting the process. They want you to pretty much be fluent in English. Yeah. Which is so weird. And they don't even give you enough time. Like, it's so strange. It's like 100. Let me see. It's like 180 days or something like that. Um, And I'll I'll mention that later. But you have to fill out a 20-page form pretty much. And you have to have two style, two passport style pic- pictures. And let's see, you have to have documents that um, demonstrate your eligibility for the naturalization and submit the form. You need to get fingerprinted and photographed because the FBI needs to check your background, of course. And before all that, you do need to have the biometrics appointment, date and time and location and you have to have a notice of naturalization interview, that appointment and everything. And like all this, all these like appointments, it's not just the one step you do it and the next week you have it. No, it takes fucking months. Like yeah. it takes months to even get a ske- to get on the schedule. And then there's so many schedule there's so many appointments that you have to do and make. And during this time, you have life, you have kids, you're working, you have, you know, you might be going to school. Like, there's so many other things that are happening in a person's life that it literally makes it damn near impossible just to get the process fucking started. So, 
in regards to that, you also have to have an English and civics test. There are ways that you can be exempt from that, but it's specific things. But And one thing, they, they do offer study materials online. And... Yeah, so so that's just the process to even have your application or like to even have it looked at. Like that's not even the whole thing, right? Like those are just the appointments to see if you can go to the interview and then after the interview they determine and the and after the interview of, you know, testing your English, um your civics as in American history pretty much. Um and things like that, you're waiting months to get the answer back on whether or not you can move forward to the next step. And it's crazy because that is a perfect process with no delays. And it takes months. It takes about, well, now it takes about a year, two year and a half. At one point, it took like five years. Like the fluctuation of of the process of becoming a U.S. citizen is ridiculous. It's not consistent. And it's really, really insane. Um, You would think they'd have a set process in order and a set way so that it was, it's consistently done year to year, regardless of how many applicants they have, you know, coming in. But that's not the case. It's not the case at all. And not only that, a lot of people who come to the U.S. are refugees. They're seeking asylum. Yeah. Oh, yes. And yeah. So, and every, it's, it's really weird to me because Growing up in school, you learn that America is a place for all. They they built America so people can have freedom here. It's and they can have freedom of speech, part. freedom of religion. Literally. Literally. And it's so fucking... It's, it's just so... It's so weird that the basis of what they want to... They, they built this country on is like a crock of shit like it it's not it at all like it's not it's not real it's literally what they just tell people like you know how on like wish uh, if you order something on wish they promise you one thing but you get it in the mail and it's not even close to what you ordered it's like like, picture like that's pretty much what the american promises it's like getting a pizza and putting pineapple on it because there's gonna be okay why are you using that analogy because i put pineapple no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. People are gonna oh, like. Some pizza. people are gonna like it, right? Some people are gonna hate it, like so anti. But the main thing, it's gonna stir the pot. It's gonna stir the pot up on pizza. Definitely, does stir the pot. <laughs> it's gonna, people, yeah, you yeah, for sure. Get and <laughs> because it is dear to my heart, and people need to chill. And it's mostly people that haven't tried it that are so against it, and it's so weird to me. That you cannot try something and claim you hate it. Anyways, that's literally an entirely different type of conversation. But but they will hate it with <laughs> but... their whole heart. Like they will like stand up and and smash their fists against the table and like you take that out of my face right now. You know, they're yeah, so like it's really weird. It's it's anyway. weird how involved people are or how involved people try to be in other people's lives using the analogy or whatever uh-huh. like it's so weird why is it and, okay yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna just go back to the asylum and because i'm gonna go on a whole tangent yeah and we're gonna get there but so you know it's a place for refugees people seeking asylum now did you know 
that in order to even apply, because you have to apply to seek asylum, like official asylum, there's a fee. It's uh, a filing fee of $50 just to seek asylum officially and legally. So, like, now obviously, I know there's. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're leaving someplace and it's very bad. It's probably like, and you're usually leaving with just the clothes on your back. Yes, there we go. And what you have in your pocket, like it's it's never. You don't have time to pack. You don't have time to do any of that. I mean, no one keeps a ziploc. If you do, you're lucky. With a fifty, like, oh, you know what? There's that money for when I'm gonna just in case. Yeah, yeah. Which is, but it's so weird how you have to pay a fucking filing fee just to seek asylum, and so that. In regards to that, there is a separate fee for the naturalization process. So there's two separate fees. And it actually went up by December. As of to- December 2019, the fee was at 725 By 2020, let me see if I can find the month. Maybe it's by, a, by April, it's like April, May of 2020. That fee shot up 83%. 81% and 83% because there's a different fee for online and there's a different fee for paper. So it's only a $10 difference, but whatever. <laughs> so the online fee is $1,160 and the paper fee is $1,170. Now, please tell me, coming from a whole different country, different continent, that is already expensive in and of, in and of itself. Who the hell has over $1,000 just to apply to be a citizen are they like and that's that's just the application that n400 application that's how much that is so off bat just to apply you're already at a downfall if you're living paycheck to paycheck if you have kids or whatever if you don't have those funds you're already you're already in the negative like it makes no fucking sense so this must be an a multi-level marketing scheme for sure. Like you just want, literally, it's literally you just want certain people to get in, and they have to pay a fee. Yeah, they just want the rich to to get in, pretty much. And I mean, that just goes back to the whole um, idea of certain people in power wanting the American country to be all rich people, and they want to like. I don't know if you've like heard that they want to like um, remove anybody who isn't at a certain earning standpoint economically, obviously. Uh. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely a ploy into feeding into that. I don't know if you want to call it a conspiracy theory. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I feel like there are plenty of evidence that we have to show that that is something. I mean, Trump was trying to do that shit. <laughs> he wanted to do that if he became president again. Pretty much make the rich richer and everybody else can just go fuck themselves. Ugh. But anyways. Yeah. So just to apply, it's over $1,000. As of 2020. That's like this year. As of 2020. And they think it's going to keep going up. It's awful. It's really sad. It's It's really horrible. And... It's just, it doesn't make any sense. And then, um, let's see. So it says, like, everything is just getting worse in regards to applying to become a legal U.S. citizen. Because there's, like, kind of sort of ways to get around it to where they can't really touch you. But it's really slim 
slim, narrow hallway there that you can get through with that. So as of 2016, the wait time for the processing of the applications was four to six months. And at 20, by September 2018, it was 10 months to a year. And by 2020, it takes about eight months for the application process, that processing time. That's just the application process, having your application being processed. Like you haven't even actually started the real steps to do it. You just submitted your application and they're processing it. It takes about eight months. Really? The total time. Mm -hmm. Someone's hand typing all of this information in a system or something. <laughs> and see, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because in 2006, Congress kind of reset the backlog because they're backlogged by like, I think like half a million um, or a little over half a million applications are backlogged. Um, so that's how far behind they are. But they can easily reset it because in 2006, Congress actually kind of hit a reset button on those backlogs. And they made it to where those centers that were processing it, because I don't think it's done hand. I think it's done by hand. I think they do it, you know, on the computer. But they have to, like, go through each application individually and go through all those pages, which is, like, why would you make them 20 pages if you have to sit there and go through all those pages, oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, so they said that in 2006, Congress hit a reset button on the backlog clock, and they required regular reports and performance plans for those centers that were processing those applications. And they also, so Congress had it to where um, they made it, they said that funding needed to be provided for those applications to get through faster. They needed to find a way to make it happen faster. And they did it in 2006. Why they haven't done it since then is a mystery. But yeah. So with that, let's see. There's Oh, here it goes. So there's over 750,000 pending applications as of May 2020. Um, so like I said, a little bit over half a million. Well, a bit more than a little bit over half a million. But yeah, 750,000 pending applications as of May 2020. Now... That's 750,000 people that are losing out on a lot that comes with being a U.S. citizen. Voting is one of them. Yeah. Health insurance is another. Grants. Welfare. Federal jobs. Any kind of public benefit that you may need. Food stamps. Stuff like that. They cannot get because they're in a pending status. Their application is in pending status. 750,000 people or applicants. So I'm just going to go through the beginning to end. And then I don't want to spend too, too much more time because we have more to talk about. So you have to fill out the 20 page N 400 form and get your two passport style pictures, um, documents to demonstrate eligibility for the naturalization. You got to submit that form. Do you submit that form? You need to be fingerprinted and photographed um, for the background check. And you then you have to have your biometrics appointment, date, time, location set. And then you have to have your affair appointment notice, which is the notice of naturalization interview. You have to get that appointment set, date, time, and location. 
Um, and then you have to get your English and civics test set, that appointment done, and then take the test. And if you fail the test, you have to reschedule within 60 to 90, day, 60 to 90 days of the first interview, which is that um, a fair appointment. And if you don't fail and you're, you know, it's granted, then mm -hmm. you go ahead and you start the oath ceremony, which is a whole other process. So you get the oath ceremony scheduled and you're not a U.S. citizen until that oath ceremony is scheduled and done. So with the oath ceremony, you have to complete a questionnaire form, which is the N-445 form. You have to notarize you know, the oath, you have to get it notarized and everything. You have to report for the oath ceremony and you have to check in with the USCIS, which is the US Citizenship and Immigration Services. And then an officer with the USCIS will review that questionnaire form, the N-445 form and your responses. And then you have to turn in your permanent residential card and then you have to officially take the oath that, you know, the oath that you do whatever to make you to become a U.S. citizen. And then once you receive your certificate of naturalization, then you are officially a citizen. But you have to receive the certificate first. So that's the whole process. And that usually takes about um, eight months to a year and a half is what I'm going to gauge that time frame. So... I mean, imagine having to do all that, spend over $1,000 just to be waitlisted pretty much. And over, you're still having really? to work. Mm -hmm. You still have to work. You Or you go to school, you have your kids, your family, life that you still have to do on top of that. Now, mm -hmm. there are certain stipulations that kind of trickle down in regards to that. So, especially when it comes to kids to children's of immigrants or, you know, the kids, child immigrants or just children of immigrants. So in order, there is a U.S. Child Citizens Act of 2000 that pretty much said that kids that don't have citizenship at birth, pretty much if they fall under certain requirements, then they will get that citizenship. So with that... They, the requirements, it's section 320 of the Immigration and National, Nationality Act. So one of your parents has to be a U.S. citizen or has to at least have gone through the naturalization process. You have to be admitted to the U.S. as an immigrant, just for lawful reasons. And you have to have a permanent address as well. After you reside in the country, that the U.S., you have to have a permanent address. And the parent has to have legal guardianship of the child that needs to become a U.S. citizen. And if it's an adopted child, you have to be fully adopted already, which is an entire different process. Like, I can't even imagine the stress that goes with just trying to become a U.S. citizen. Like, if you don't have a work visa, if you don't have a school visa, because it's, it's a lot easier if you have a work visa. It's a lot easier, easier if you marry into it. But if you don't have those options, it's 
like it sounds like it's so fucking impossible yeah it's a lot of hoops to jump through and then yeah for for someone who doesn't know that to just assume that people are coming over here to steal the american dream it's like i don't know and it's so it's so weird that people would think that because there's actually a study that was done and it shows that there's no way that any u.s born citizen would be displaced if immigrants you know were to come and without this process because studies shown that they would actually be immigrants coming to the u.s is greatly beneficial to the u.s economy and it can just benefit people in general, especially in like the educational systems, because you're exposing people to a different culture, a different lifestyle, a different way of life, right? Which it's always a good thing to be um, culturally aware, you know, other people's cultures. It's always a good thing because it makes you more yeah. of a human being, I feel like. But yeah, so it's, uh, there's so many stipulations in regards to like child immigrants or children who are born to immigrant parents. And that's where DACA kind of, you mentioned DACA earlier, that's where that comes into play. So in 2012, DACA was established by Obama. Everybody, you know, hopefully everybody knows this. And pretty much what it did was it said that kids who were born abroad and come to the U.S. when they're really, really young, pretty much just stay here under DACA. They should be protected because this is their home. That's the gist of it. It's like a whole legal guard. Like if you look it up, it's a bunch of legal jargon, but like that's pretty much what it's saying. Um, you know, so now you had mentioned that it was taken away, then brought back. That was Trump <laughs> for the most part. Trump tried to terminate, ter- terminate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now... In regards to that, like I said, this has been, immigration has been a fight for a while. And in regards to the children, Plyther v. Doe in 1982 had the U.S. Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that no child should be deprived of public education from K through 12 based on their immigration status. That happened in 1982. So, yeah, so that's what the... Plyther Vito of 1982 was. Now, in regards to education, because immigration status, for some reason, is still affecting people's ability to actually get an education, which, I mean, there has been so many things in place to avoid that from happening, but it's still a struggle. So one thing, and especially in 2020 with COVID, and everything going on that just added more stress last oh we are in december so about two months ago by october 2020 it was found that about 30 percent of students in 2018 were from immigrant families and it has gone up 20 percent since 2000 it took about 18 years but whatever um so it's about 5.3 million people Dang. Uh, mm-hmm, are in 2018. So challenges with that, with COVID, with, you know, all those people, is that a lot of these kids going to university, going to college, are first-generation 
um, higher education, as in college, university. They're the first ones in their family to actually do that. So a lot of times they're helping support their family. They have full-time jobs. They're going to school as well, side hustles, you know, whatever. And especially with COVID hitting, they have found that they're finding it harder to not only go to school, but to stay in school because it's getting more expensive because a lot of, a lot of these kids are supporting or helping to support their parents, their siblings, extended family. And with COVID happening, that either took away jobs from those family members or cut their work in half or over half. So a lot of these kids are finding that they're not able to pay their tuition and work at the same time because they're like, man, if I just work, then I'll make enough money and cover what was lost when my mom or dad lost their job or Anna or whoever is helping with the, you know, the family's finances. So that's just another added stress on top of what they're already going through, which is, well, not anymore, but I would say earlier on in the year, it was definitely a struggle, especially the DACA recipients on whether or not they'd still be able to, to go to school and to get that education. Because like I said, their first generation, you know, university or college students. And so their parents are hoping that once they graduate, they'll be able to be making enough money to really support the family. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole world being on your shoulders at such a young age, it's crazy. Most people will not understand that. I will not understand that. I don't understand it because I, I, you know, I didn't have to go through that. Yeah. And um, it it feels like they don't even have a childhood because they had to be an adult too. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, you know, working from a young age and then going to school to try to make a better life for not just them, but their family as well. I mean, that's, that's like top notch honorable right there. No. And a lot of times they find it hard to get grants for for tuition and everything. And I know with the COVID, they were, you know, people were offered a $2,000 college or school grant so that they could at least have money to pay whatever for that semester or because college is expensive as hell. Everybody knows this, in the U.S. at least. So, you know, they're given a $2,000 grant. But a lot of times that grant, yes, went to school, but it also went to making up what was lost when... COVID hit, um, especially with people with undocumented family members who maybe didn't get the stimulus check. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So they're definitely going through trials that most people don't have to face and they have to think about things that most people don't have to think about. And it's really sad that you know, these young, this, this this generation of youth that could definitely help the economy in the future, it could help make groundbreaking discoveries in the future, aren't given the opportunity to really go after their dream or go after the career that they want or whatever. 
And it's just super, super sad that, you know, I mean, like I say, it's something is better than nothing. So although not too much has been done, I'm glad that certain things have been done at least to protect to an extent these these children of immigrants or these immigrated children themselves, you know? It's really fucking sad. It's really fucking sad. And it's awful. And oh, I just found in my notes it takes it could take up to ten years to be fully to become a full citizen. <laughs> well, because um, they require you to be living in the United States legally for a certain amount of time, and I say legally as in with a green card or a visa for like at least five years. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of the videos of people like their family celebrating it, and they're like, "You don't understand. This has been years in the making. They didn't just yeah just fill up fill a page application and yeah. said, okay, right. I'm in." Yeah, and that's yeah exactly, and that's with nothing going wrong like nothing getting lost nothing getting denied nothing having to be rescheduled no testing to be taken that that's exactly like that's with everything going perfectly so it's really fucking awful that you know people who are wanting to come to america for better chances better opportunities safer environment they're just given so much shit to like deal with on top of what they're already dealing with. Yeah. So, uh, immigration. That was our, what a case. And it was kind of all over the place, but it's just cause there's so much that we wanted to talk about and we didn't want to take too long to like talk about it. Cause like I said, we could no, no lie fucking sit here for like two hours and we would still just be scraping the top, you know? Yeah, we it's crazy. could definitely talk a lot more, especially with the orgs, because there's yeah. tons of orgs that are really making a difference. But yeah. the I had to say those two yeah. things off my chest. And so, yeah. Yeah, same. I had a, I never really understood the process of it. So, oh, something else I want to add that I found, which was so fucking disturbing. There's this website or organization called fairus.org. It might be Fair US by the tagline. I'm, I'm assuming it's Fair US, F A I R U S.org. And their tagline this is what people have to deal with. Their tagline is put a limit on immigration, help us put Americans first. I, That's I their wish- fucking tagline. It's a whole, it's a nonprofit organization. We're not going to put it in the description below. <laughs> not doing that. But I just needed to put that in because that was something that I found as of 2020. That's like this year that like is updated. That's still their tagline. And it's a whole website. Like it's insane. It's really weird. People are fucking weird. And I don't understand how because somebody comes from some other place, they're all of a sudden no longer human. Like, it's really fucking weird. Even the term alien. Like, why, 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 why why are you using the term alien? But it's super fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that we... mm -hmm. They're people. So, treat them like that. Tell I ask. Please. Please tell I ask. But, yeah, so that's our What a Case uh immigration for our what a case wednesday i think it's the third episode i think it's the second i'm really not sure 
at this point anymore. <laughs> it's crazy. When we first started, we knew exactly what episodes we were on. <laughs> now it's all jumbled together. <laughs> uh. Now it's all jumbled together. But I'm so glad that our What a Case was on a few topics regarding immigration. And I hope we were able to educate anyone listening out there. And again, we're going to be leaving um, some information in our description area below so that you can check out these organizations that we mentioned or check out these websites that we mentioned and um, just, yeah, educate yourself and, you know, know how to help the next person that, that may need help. You may come across somebody who, who is wanting to become a U.S. citizen and has no idea how to start. And, oh my gosh, you listen to the TV show podcast, so you know exactly what they got to do. Oh, right? yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, that's it. That's it for our What a Case Wednesday. What a Case Wednesday. Ooh. That was What a Case. Oh, my gosh. Like those old, old broadcasts. And that was What a Case Wednesday, Charlie. And come back next week for our next episode of. <laughs> you know how we used to talk. And on the next episode of What a Case. What a Case Wednesday. <laughs> We're going to be talking about bugs. Bugs everywhere. Bugs in your backyard. Bugs in your front yard. Bugs in your house. Bugs in oh your basement. Oh, my God. Now they used to they, talk like that. It was so weird. There's companies now that, like, sell you bees. And you get these bees that, are, like, come dormant. And you you can hang them on your wall. Ugh, what? I, yeah, dude. What? I know it's tragic. You hang a dormant bee on your wall. Is it? No. Is it like a live? Like you just okay? They come dormant. Wait, so but, they like go out? But like you know, you. Okay. I was like, so you do it yourself and then just hang them. Whoa, that's weird. Wait, but they can't. Wasn't there like an issue with the bee population going down a few years ago, and they were like concerned about the um ecological? Is that the word ecological? cycle the ecology is it echo of yeah, how they would the affect because like gardening yeah because they were like if, food if the bees went extinct the world would literally end because they're like the biggest pollinators with like butterflies and stuff. yeah they're literally helping mm-hmm. us eat every day literally it's crazy it's crazy and then they were, we should have a and then they were being attacked by those freaking Killer wasp. Oh yeah, man, that shit was crazy. crazy. That shit was crazy, crazy. But we are also going to be having our Feel Good Friday episode this week, so check that out. Check out our previous Feel Good Friday and our previous What a Case Wednesday, and we also have Movement Mondays. You guessed it on Monday. No, <laughs> every other week. I know, right? It's on Tuesdays. No, but uh, it's every other week. So check them out, and we're leaving our all of our information in the description below. So hit us up on social media and all that stuff. And thank you to all of our subscribers. I'm I'm clocking all of y'all. I'm clocking it. I can see when somebody drops it. I clock it. Thank you for the ones who have stayed with us. <laughs> Even though we're only in like our like third, fourth week. I don't know, but it's it's thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Oh, do we want to say what our, our feel good Friday for this week is? Let let's keep them in suspense. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> keep them in suspense. Oh, she evil, y'all. Mm-mm. She ain't y'all's friend. No, I'm just kidding. 
All right. Well, Tapia, thank you again for this What a Case Wednesday. Yeah, Vita, thanks, thanks for this because it. I laughed at the end. I didn't think I was gonna laugh. Thanks. Same, <laughs> same, and got a little bit angry there too. So I'm glad that we at least ended it on a good note. Okay. Well then, bye. Bye.